You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. So, welcome everybody to the CCB GTT weekly presentation. Today is Wednesday, March the 17th. And since I'm an Irish person, I have great Irish heritage. I say happy top of the morning or whatever they say for that. So, I'd like to welcome Arjun Mali from Immersive uh, that makes the buzz clip. Uh, I was telling Arjun that, and he's one of the founders of, of Immersive. I was telling him that people were asking lots of questions about things to help with navigation and that we were, there were a lot of questions about buzz clip. So we thought it'd be great to have him come on and talk about it. And also it is a Canadian uh, product. So it's always nice to promote them. So, Arjun, if you want to tell people, I don't know if everyone knows about BuzzClip too much. So if you wanted to start sure. by telling people about it and whatever else you'd like to say, and then uh, we'll be happy. Well, so thank you. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for having me on today. Um, and hello, everyone. Um, I'm Arjun. I'm the co-founder of Immersive. Um, I'll take you back to how everything started. So Immersive was founded in 2014. Um, shortly after my co-founder, Ben, uh, his father had uh, started to lose vi his vision due to uh, inoperable glaucoma. Um, and that's kind of what was the catalyst to sort of, you know, for us to take a look into uh, the space and, and also um, do some investigation on, on whether we could come up with a, you know, technological tool that would, would essentially help with daily sort of mobility. Um, and as we sort of dug in and did an investigation, we encountered uh, kind of a prominent figure in the community here in Toronto, uh, a good friend of ours, Ryland Room. Um, some of you may know him, um, but he's, uh, you know, six foot five, very tall uh, gentleman. And, um, you know, talking to him on a sort of more daily basis, we started to realize that he had an issue um, essentially detecting obstacles or running into things that were above his waist. So, um, he's a daily cane user. He, he goes everywhere. He sees clients um, and helps them with assistive technology. And he's, he's really traveling to basically strange places every day, um, new addresses and things like that. Um, and would, uh, yeah, essentially we figured out that, um, you know, above the waist was a, was a major issue for him, uh, especially around the head level because, you know, hitting, hitting either tree branches or even if he had lived with roommates would leave cabinet doors open. Um, and he had many unpleasant encounters uh, with objects uh, above the head or around uh, above the waist. So uh, we had an original mission to sort of come up with like a, a very comprehensive sort of system uh, that would do all sorts of detection and, and give uh, users vibrations to sort of let them know where things are and how far they are from them. Um, and then we kind of dialed down on um, making it sort of a clippable unit that would... Uh, essentially attached uh, onto your, your upper lapel of your collar um, on your chest and, uh, and essentially alert you to, to things that would be around. So we um, basically finalized on the concept of the buzz clip, which is a wearable device that you can uh, clip on. Uh, it has a sensor, it uses ultrasound to detect obstacles that are in your proximity. And then it relays uh, that information uh, through vibration. So depending on how far an object is from you, um, it'll it'll basically give you vibrations. And the closer you get to that object, the vibrations would increase in um, intensity. 
Uh, and we did launch a first version that came out onto the market in uh, late 2016. Uh, that quickly sold out. And then we made uh, improvements and refinements to that original product and relaunched a, a new buzz clip in 2018. Um, and since then, it's been in the market. It's available here in Canada through CNIB. Um, it's also being uh, distributed globally um, and continues to sort of uh, really help people um, uh, that are especially people that have just recently lost their vision and are within their early days of, of mobility training uh, and cane training. Um, we found that it's been it's been quite a useful tool to sort of quicken that process as well as just increase uh, overall like, uh, confidence and independence um, in those early stages. And then for in just general purpose, like there's a lot of uh, newer sort of features that we've built in um, to the second version to just make things easier. So. Uh, big updates on the second version are really that it's much lighter. So it improved from the, the first version was 62 grams and now this one is 30. Uh, so it's made out of like an ABS plastic and it has a really nice uh, coating on it. So it feels quite smooth. So it's, it's pretty light um, to clip on. But other major improvements on this version is that we made it um, very versatile in the sense that it can be clipped on anywhere. So we recommend that it's always at chest level because that way it covers you from um, basically if it's on the one meter mode, it will cover you from waist up uh, above your head. And at the three meter mode, it will pretty much go up, up, down to your, your shins uh, up or knee, knee, knees up basically. Um, and the, it's also, uh, it comes with a cane attachment. So it can, it can be attached to the cane as well. Uh, some people prefer, uh, to use it uh, like that. Um, it's also uh, a where uh, a, 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 a can be used as a handheld at the same time. So with the latest version, you essentially can attach it anywhere you want onto your clothing. You can use it as a handheld uh, for those who want to kind of just keep it in their pocket and take it out when they need it. Um, and then for those who just want an extra sort of uh, um, sensory output on their cane, uh, it can go, it can basically get attached right onto the cane there as well. Um, other sort of features that we built in just to make it more intuitive. Um, so we found that, for example, if you're at a lineup um, at a bank or at a coffee shop and you, you know, stand behind the person that's in front of you, it will give you the vibrations. You'll through the vibrations, you'll kind of get a sense of whether they're one meter or two meters away from you. And after about five seconds, it will, if no distance has changed between you and the person in front of you, the bus clip essentially uh, goes to sleep and uh, stops vibrating um, and then if there's a distance change either that person moves ahead or um, or some or you know moves backwards even uh, it'll uh, kick off again and, and start vibrating so we sort of built in an auto sleep feature there uh, also very useful when you're just sort of having conversations with, with people um, and uh, yeah just because it, it could get annoying right so it would it basically goes to sleep if, if, if there's no uh, additional movement, uh, but other ways people have found it really uh, useful as well is uh, just being able to detect like things that are going by. So um, we had another colleague that uh, you know attended a lot of trade shows with us, um, and uh, he's he's uh, he's blind and and basically he loves it because he can uh, literally sense when someone's coming to the booth uh, and basically gets ready to start talking and pitching. Um, you know, the organization uh, to people at trade shows. Uh, other useful sort of 
uh, anecdote. So like uh, we had a customer uh, out in the States who is a guide dog user um, and, you know, has been heavily reliant on the guide dog, loves his guide dog, uh, except for some reason his guide dog just hates the mailbox. Uh, so we'll always kind of like steer away from it. Um, so he, he uses the bus clip uh, for those specific circumstances. Uh, it kind of keeps in his pocket when he kind of just needs to quickly find the mailbox because a dog always uh, <laughs> leads him away from it. Um, so that's kind of in a nutshell uh, what the product is. Um, I, I would love to sort of answer any questions uh, in particular um, about it and then we can kind of just open this up for, for a casual discussion. Can you tell us first the difference between the three meter and the one meter and when you would use that one or the other? Yeah, for and sure. Then, so yeah. we recommend that it's, uh, it, you use it as a, you know, within the two meter mode. That's for like your daily sort of uh, walking about outside. One meter we'd recommend indoors. Um, and then three meters just gives you an additional range. So like if you're, if you're in a park or something, um, two, Two to three meters is best for outside, and one meter is is for indoors. Uh, yeah, a couple of things about that. Um, now, you say you can attach it to the cane. What part of the cane should a person attach it to if that's what they want to do? It would go right under uh, the, the the rubberized handle. That's like oh, the so, optimal spot, yeah. So that'd be like the next joint down. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and then, we, it does fit basically any standard cane. Um, however, I do know that there's some really thin canes out there, so it wouldn't work for those. Um, and there's some very thick, uh, bigger, sort of thicker canes out there too. So a standard sort of Ambitech cane or, um, uh, you know, the standard cane uh, width is what it, uh, what it fits. And what's the battery life like? Yeah, that's a great question. So that's actually another major improvement from the first version <coughs> to the second. Uh, we, we definitely overcompensated for the battery. So the first version would basically give you like 10 to 12 hours. Um, the second version here gives you like a few days um, without a charge. So uh, depends on how much you use it. If it's constantly on and you're walking around, um, yeah, you could expect that eventually the battery, like we've, we've tested it uh, nonstop with like an object in front of it and with constant vibration and it goes for 14 hours. Uh, wow. if, you're using, if you're using it for, you know, a couple hours here and there, it should last you, you know, two to three days uh, without a charge. Um, but we do recommend, like, you, you charge it just like you charge your phone every night, right? So um, then, and then how much is it? It's uh, right now it's on the market for two forty nine uh, US online. In Canada, uh, it's for it's two forty nine Canadian. So for, first of all. Uh, um, I'm, I'm wondering about how the, uh, the bubble of sensing, how this thing works. So like if you were to mount it on your collar, or, you know, just any old way or in a particular way on your cane, would that change the bubble of, of sensing? So is, is the bubble like a complete circle or does it have some kind of a shape? So there's yeah. an optimal way to mount it. So that's my first question. My mm -hmm. second question is, I'm sure Kim has heard this before. So where I live, the sidewalks don't have good edges. So when I sweep back and forth with my cane, it's hard to know whether I'm on the sidewalk or not. Uh, could I use the buzz clip to figure out whether I'm on the sidewalk or not, given there's no edges? Or put this in the suggestion box. Could you figure out a way to buzz me? <laughs> Keep me on the sidewalk? 
<laughs> these are these are awesome questions. I'll start with the first one. So uh, yeah, there was a lot of development that went into basically coming up with the shape of the detection, right? So a lot of previous sensors that are on the market. So you may be familiar with like the mini guide or uh, there's been a MOAD sensors. There's been quite a few in the past. The way that they have their detection angle, it's quite wide. It's like around 60 degrees. So you really, you get a lot of false positives with some of the older sensors, which pick up uh, basically things that are past shoulder width. Like you don't really want to know, um, you know, anything that's that basically is not going to come into contact with you, which is past, you know, past your shoulder width. So we spent a lot of time uh, refining and, and tuning uh, you know, the sensors to calibrate it so that it's around 33 degrees of an angle starting from where it is. Um, and that roughly measures out to become uh, at one meter and two meters, it's basically, you know, comes out like a cone shape from the center of your chest uh, going outwards. So, uh, and, then, and then it kind of drops back in. So you can imagine sort of like, a, almost like a water drop shape that kind of extends out from your chest um, and it kind of it sticks it limits to around shoulder width and at the three meters it becomes slightly wider um, but it's still quite that's one of the things that we've done is to sort of really calibrate the sensor so that it's narrow um, and doesn't give you too many false positives so it's you know within shoulder width um, to address your second question we've definitely this is something that's come up a lot um, you know detection of drop-offs um, and changes in elevation in particular. So we investigated this heavily and unfortunately still the, the cane is the most affordable and uh, reliable way to detect drop-offs. The, the distance is just too, too small uh, for you to see like a, you know, a big enough difference in vibration um, to detect sort of drop-offs. So uh, we have, you know, brainstormed ideas of something that could be uh, attached to like your uh, to the pant leg for example but um, it would essentially not be as accurate and would be too expensive for you know something that wouldn't provide as much value as the cane would so uh, that's why we, we say that the buzz clip has to be used in tandem with the cane um, the cane's got you basically for waist and below and, and for, for all uh, you know aspects of, of ground and uh, Buzzfeed has you covered um, waist up. I hope that helps. Does that help uh, you, Hilton? Um, well, yes and no. So when I, when I put the thing on my collar, I guess I have to put it on in a specific way to take advantage of the teardrop. Uh, yeah, so we recommend if you could place it um, basically in the center of your, of your chest. Uh, we have had, it depends as well on uh, the degree of vision loss that clients have. So like there's, um, you know, people with retinitis pigmentosa, uh, they kind of have central vision, but they're, uh, you know, have blind spots on the left and right side. So we have cases where people would kind of clip it to either uh, the sleeve on their, um, on their shirt or within uh, around the waist, uh, on whatever they're wearing to clip to like the, the right or left side. Uh, so it's, it's quite versatile in that way. Um, for people that have, you know, if central vision is, is an issue, then we would definitely recommend um, middle placement in the chest. And that, that would just go between like the buttons of a shirt, for example. And it has, it's designed very similar to like a tie clip uh, so that it can kind of just latch right on there uh, and stay there securely. Uh, 
think my question's been answered with the, uh, I was interested in the field of view and, and uh, uh, obviously it's the, you're, you defined it well, but what's the range? What sort of, like if I'm walking down a sidewalk and there's a tree branch coming towards me at head level, when do I get warned? Uh, it does it, when does it start? Like it's six meters, 10 meters or two yes. feet? So if, if you were walking outside and the tree branch is basically just uh, above your head or at your head level, um, if it's set at three meters, you'll start to get very faint vibrations uh, basically at three meters. Um, and the same with, with two meters, you get have a little bit more intense vibrations. And as you get closer and closer, you get more. And right at 30 uh, centimeters, um, you get like a, sort of a series of three rapid vibrations at once, which is kind of like uh, uh, the last look, alert in the sense that, um, you know, uh, before basically the vibrations uh, cease because you, you've essentially come into contact. So uh, we have found that it's, the sensitivity is quite good as well. So uh, if you dangle like a, like a, you know, a wire uh, with your headphones, for, you know, for wire on your headphones, for example, and flick it past the sensor real quick, it'll still pick that up. So like really thin branches, um, it's sensitive enough to pick that up. Uh, the only cases where, so like if, you, if you're walking towards say an object, so say, let's say it's a pole, um, it's set at three meters, you'd start to get very faint vibrations at three meters. And as you get closer, uh, within two meters, you get the standard vibrations you get at two meters and it would just intensify as you get closer. And then you'd get a rapid three uh, when you're when you're literally like, uh, like a step away from, from the object. However, if you were to, to veer to the right or like turn your chest to the right, um, it would it would essentially go out of the cone of detection if your shoulders were also not gonna come into contact. So because of the, the this sort of conical angle and the sensitivity of the sensor, it's been really useful for people to like detect where hallways and doorways are as well. Um, they can kind of walk up to like a doorway, they can scan to the left, they can tell, okay, that's where the wall is and they scan to the right and they would vibrate again and they would scan into the middle and they would see that, okay, there's no vibration here, which would mean that this gap, there is enough of a gap for you to walk through uh, and not come into contact with anything. Uh, also very useful to find your way out of a crowd. <laughs> There's been a lot of situations where people are in sort of, you know, uh, busy conference rooms and are trying to get to um, either the cafeteria or just go to the washroom and get out. So it's, it's kind of useful to, you know, avoid people uh, in a sense as well. Two questions, just to have you repeat, and I'm sorry I missed it because my phone rang. The Canadian source to purchase it and the Canadian price was my first question. Yeah, so Canadian source would be CNIB. Uh, Canadian price is two forty nine Canadian. Two forty nine. Thank you. Yeah. Now, my second question, and it goes back to, to the way one would wear it on their chest. Um, you've referred to a lanyard. You've referred to a clip. Yeah. Would another option, because I assume with a lanyard it would be swinging a bit. Is there any kind of other suggestion around a chest harness that might be an option as well? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for most of the testing that we run, it does, as long as you have, so there's two ways, right? If you have a, a shirt with buttons, whether it's a polo shirt or a full shirt with buttons, that's pretty easy. It'll go between any button. Um, if you're wearing you know, a rounded or a V-neck, for example, uh, then it kind of goes, uh, 
a little bit higher, but it can still be positioned um, so that it's, it's always, you know, facing forward. Uh, that's one thing that we try and, and stress even within the um, first sort of instructional videos and everything that you always want the sensors because and the sensor is protruded outward so you can easily feel the ring and you can feel the mesh. Uh, you have to ensure that that's always facing uh, outwards uh, from you and not veered to like a side or anything because that will, uh, you know, if it's, if it's angled so that it's, you know, to the right side, for example, it's not going to get your left shoulder um, and the left side of your head, for example. And you're uh, using it, a clip for the most part to hold it in that position. Correct. Yeah. And we found like this, the, the rubberized uh, vibration part uh, is a good like stabilizer. So it will make sure that it's in contact with uh, your undershirt or your skin underneath. Uh, and the clip is pretty uh, securely fastened uh, to where we're wearing. We have considered like other kind of contraptions that, so the first real one was the attachment to the cane. Um, a chest harness, like like GoPros have a chest harness, for example. We have thought about that, but we found that uh, people have people have basically you know found clothing that's either works with it the best or um, haven't really had an issue um, clipping it to uh, uh, you know the upper chest area. Now, related to clothing and so forth, how does it do? Say we've just come through the winter. If someone is putting it on a uh, yeah. a coat, a winter coat. Or how would it be in the summertime if you're suddenly out and it starts to rain? Yeah, that's a good question. So, Thank you for your time. No, of course. Um, so winter is a great question. We have to, because it's built in Canada, like we had to make sure this thing could withstand, um, you know, Canadian weather. So the sensor will work um, in up to minus 30 uh, without a problem. Um, the issue is, yes, when you're wearing really big and bulky clothing, uh, in that instance, like if you've got multiple layers and you put a winter jacket on and you try and attach it to um, essentially, uh, you know, where the zipper is, upper chest level on the zipper, there are, there are instances where it kind of veers off to, to the side. Uh, what we kind of suggest is whatever your inner layer is, you start to still sort of, you know, try and make it uh, centered uh, and then zip up the jacket so that it's not all the way up so it doesn't cover the bus clip. Um, but zip it up high enough so that the sensor is still protruding out. Um, if you have a scarf or anything, so basically if the sensor is covered, it's going to, it's going to act erratically and, and give you false positives. Uh, so just kind of, you know, always have to ensure that the, the sensor is not, uh, not covered or anything. And then I'll, I'll talk about just while we're on the subject of weather, um, heavy rain. So we've done, we've done a lot of testing in, 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 uh, in wet conditions as well. Uh, if it's like a complete downpour, uh, we'd recommend you, you kind of take it off and um, keep it uh, in a pocket or something. And it does, it's not because uh, it won't damage like the sensor. So what happens is uh, if water hits the sensor, it kind of gets absorbed in the mesh which doesn't affect, doesn't actually damage the entire unit. You might get a lot of erratic like false positives because it's detecting the water that's in the mesh. Um, if that happens, you kind of just need to go home, uh, shake it off a little, wait for it to dry and it should be fine. If the entire unit gets submerged, like the bottom part gets submerged, um, that's water damage that would, you know, if it happened, same thing, if you did that to your phone, um, then it's, then it's done. Um, in terms of detection with the rain, like light drizzles haven't been a problem. Heavy rain, 
uh, it will actually start detecting uh, a lot of heavy rain as well. So, um, rain is tricky. Snow is not. Snow is, uh, for some reason, uh, isn't as much of a problem. Built in Canada, so that's great. Yeah. <laughs> can you also just repeat, because I love to show family members uh, your website address so they can see the videos as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, we do have um, a full, there's a promotional video and as well as a full uh, instructional video that's on our video, uh, on our website, sorry. And um, the whole website is completely accessible. So um, you should be able to, to access all, all uh, pages on, on there without a problem. Uh, the website is www.immersive.com. That's spelled I-M-E-R-C-I-V.com. You know, how does it work at minus 30? Um, it, two questions. Uh, is there any way to tell, like, how high the, the object is that it's detecting? Like, if you're going along, it, whether it's at, like, your neck level, your head level, your chest level, is there any height indication? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's, there's no, there's not really a way to distinguish uh, what's where in the field of detection, the object is the way that you can get a better determination of where it is, is kind of doing a, a quick scan with the chest. Um, I hope that helps. So like we, you know, if you're walking up to say a pole, um, you'd be able to tell like if it's completely centered in your line of view, you'll see the vibrations get stronger and stronger and stronger until it gives you that final, like don't stop uh, or stop. When you get that final vibration, that's essentially when we would recommend uh, clients to sort of assume the brace position or, or just sort of their arm out to, to stop themselves. And you should essentially be able to feel what it is. Um, but yeah, in a in a one meter mode, it's a much it's a smaller circle. So you'd be able to, you know, that that would go from essentially like your upper, you know, basically your belly button to your head. Um, if it's greater than if it's a three meter, for example, it's it's much harder to tell where exactly within the field. But you know that it's within uh, essentially um, to above your head to basically your your uh, thighs um, and. Uh, it's within shoulder width, so. Okay, and <clears throat> with the vibration, um, is there a noise factor as well? Uh, I was thinking that if if it was wasn't actually touching your your skin, uh, do the vibrations make a noise that you could listen to the noise and and tell where you are? Or conversely, you know, if you're you know if you're in the bank line does it make a, a loud buzz buzzing right. noise that would annoy everyone else? Yeah, that's a good question. So our first version, because it was made out of uh, aluminum, it was just a little bit noisier, especially when you got really close to things. Um, not like super noisy, but like noticeable, uh, almost like a, like when your, your cell phone's vibrating. With the second version, because uh, it's now when it sits in a sort of rubberized housing, um, it's you it's you feel it uh, but you it, it's not as as noisy and we have considered putting like audible prompts within the the unit itself uh, and then you know based on mark uh, user testing and everything we determined not to do that because a lot of clients felt that it just it would attract too much attention unwanted attention that they didn't want um, right that 
that's one with the noise like so you know we thought of like actually having a, a proper beat that was supposed to you'd have the vibration and the noise we opted against that and also we, we do serve uh, clients who are deafblind so for them audible prompts are not useful uh, which is why we, we stuck to just a discrete vibration okay and and the rubberized surface doesn't actually have to be touching your skin right like it could be no, like you it mentioned it being you'll you'll feel you'll feel that vibration uh, probably through two or three layers of clothing as long as they're not like super thick right yes okay thank you very much another thing i did when i tried one was i was in a well we don't have busy places right now <laughs> i was in a, a busy kind of um like a food court and it had these different branching corridors and i had to know i i had I was working my dog at the time, but I had to know where to turn. And it was like after the third one and my echolocation wouldn't be so good because like you're in the middle of a crowd and it's noisy. And it would like I pointed at the wall it was like buzz, buzz, buzz. And then when I felt no buzz, that was the first corridor. And then I do the next buzz, buzz, buzz. And then the second, no, like I could count the corridors so I would know. Where did I don't know. Does that make sense? I'm trying yeah, to explain absolutely. it. So that's uh, basically to find gaps, like gaps that your body yeah. can fit through. So whether that's in yeah. a crowded room or whether that's, yeah, finding hallways or corridors or doorways that you can go through. It was really good because it's confusing in there and you can turn at different places, but you can't, I couldn't direct my dog because I couldn't, like I couldn't count them because like it was too crowded, but I could do it with that. Like I could. You know what I mean? I, I just point it, hold it in my hand. I think like Jim said, like hold it in my hand and then point it, point it. And if it buzz, buzz, buzz. And then, okay, I need the third like gap space. And, and it worked like it was good. Then I could, I could do it. Awesome. That's great really to hear. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm, glad. I'm just curious. Uh, what is the reliability of this device? Uh, is it, does it have a warranty on it? Is it serviceable if something happens to it? Yep. Uh, so it does come with the standard sort of uh, one year limited warranty. Same thing that you'd get uh, like if you bought a new phone, for example. Uh, so if there's any manufacturing defect from our end, and we, we generally we test, we test them rigorously before we send them out. However, every manufacturing batch does have between a one to two percent error rate. Um, that just means that out of, you know, the thousands of units, there'll be one, there'll be a few that will, uh, the sensors just won't. Uh, work as intended or they'll be erratic if that's the case uh, we obviously replace it uh, immediately and free of cost uh, otherwise things that aren't or things to watch out for right that, that wouldn't be covered um, if there's damage to the sensor uh, you know or drop that da drop damage it usually should be fine what generally does happen that has happened in the past is that uh, clients open it up um, or, you know, if they haven't like reviewed the instruction material or, ha or have someone to help them with it, um, they may push in the button. They may, you know, mistake the actual sensor for like a button or something. And then they push in the mesh. If you do that, like it's, it's gone. <laughs> it, it, that whole sensor needs to be kind of replaced in which case we'd, we'd sort of still, you'd have to sort of get a new one. Um, so yeah, we, we, Definitely any manufacturing defect, if it just doesn't work as intended or it's not charging or whatever the case is, we would replace that right away. Um, apart from that, you have a one, one year warranty on the product. Um, and then if anything comes up, uh, 
we would try to service it, but mo usually what we do is we uh, just send uh, send you a new one and we, we get the, the old one back so we can take a look at it and then repurpose it for parts. Sorry, I just want to ask a quick question. You said this is the second version of this device, correct? That's right, yeah. Are you working on um, uh, like updates for a third or right now, or is this? Not at this time. We were looking at doing, so we did, it, you know, after the Buzzclip version two, we did launch like a, an app actually to help with just navigation, like an assistive form of navigation. Uh, so that app's live in Toronto. It's called Mapping Hood. It's completely accessible. It gives you a lot of audible prompts on where like city infrastructure and stuff is. Uh, so you can think about it as almost like little checkpoints as you're walking around the city. Um, we we're looking to expand that, but it was done as a sort of proof of concept project in partnership with Microsoft. Uh, so it's kind of determined, you know, it's based on them if they want to expand that project. Um, is it all but, over Toronto or is it just downtown or? It's uh, mostly downtown and GTA, uh, but downtown is where it's, it's heavily reliant on data um, and the data, like the, the foundational level data that's there is uh, what comes from the city, what comes from open street maps. Uh, but then for all those smaller type, like, you know, whether, um, yeah, just like any other type of hazards and stuff, like we rely a lot on crowdsourcing, which, you know, requires uh, everyday people to, to sort of um, constantly update situations, like where water fountains are, where, um, you know, muddy areas would be, things like that, um, for you to get more data points. That information is in the package when you buy it? Sorry? For the app. The information about the app is in the, the package if you buy it? Uh, it is not, no, but it is on our website. So like on the top, oh. there'll be a link to like BuzzClip and then we have a link to Mappinhood. Um, okay. So yeah, that, you can download that for both iOS and Android here in Toronto. And uh, it was it was essentially a proof of concept. It hasn't really been updated since then. Um, and in, in, in relation to the BuzzClip, uh, I don't think we're looking at doing a newer version, we may do like essentially the same product, just miniaturized and stylized a bit better um, and uh, potentially switch out the sensor with a newer sensor uh, in the future, because as sensors, you know, improve, uh, we could definitely improve some of the, the responsiveness and detection as well. Yeah. Uh, does this buzz clip, does it have a power switch on it for turn it off to be able to turn it off or? yeah yeah it's got so it comes with two buttons um very simple to use buttons another thing i, I got to mention here is that the buttons need to be pressed and held for three seconds for them to do something so we send we send people a lot of uh new units and and we get emails back being like it doesn't turn on it doesn't work i don't know what i'm doing blah blah, blah. uh but you just got to hold it for a bit longer until you feel some vibration so it's got two buttons it has an on and off button and it has a change mode button you press and hold for three seconds and you'll feel uh basically two uh you'll feel a couple of vibrations to let you know that you're now in the two meter mode um and then you can press the change change mode button if you press and hold that for three seconds it'll either vibrate one time two times or three times to tell you which mode you're in and then uh you can turn it if you, if you want to turn it off you can press and hold the on and off button and you'll feel one long vibration and then it's the units off. And what's the name of the app? The app is called Mappin Hood. So that's spelled M-A-P-I-N-H-O-O-D. Map it, map it. 
Map and Hood. Hey, I'm going to put the website in the chat here as well. So this was a and bit more of an experimental sort of project. It did, uh, it has worked quite well. The results were pretty good um, for people, uh, especially people with assistive needs. So like uh, anyone in a wheelchair found it really useful as well because we have like gradient data in there. Um, so it'll tell you where slopes and stuff are uh, and where stairs are, uh, you know, so whether going into certain venues, whether it's accessible or not. Um, for sort of, uh, people living with vision loss, it's been, it's just been useful to like, uh, you know, if you go to a park, for example, um, like Sherwood Park, you know, up near CNRB, that was like the testing grounds for Map and Hood. And um, we basically plotted out every garbage bin, every bench, um, the playground, the water fountains, whatever the case is. And uh, like, if you get in there and you're on the path and as you're walking, like you'll get little audible prompts that, uh, you know, you just walking past the garbage bin is five meters away. But we've, you know, a lot of clients have found it useful because they can kind of have a mental checkpoint of where they are and where they need to go. So if you need to go to the playground in Sherwood Park, you've got to cross five garbage bins and three benches or whatever to get there. Um, so as you're on your way, you can, you get those little quick uh, snippets to let you know that you're still heading in the right direction. Um, back to the, the buttons and stuff on the clip. Is it a, like a USB charger or is it like a proprietary charger or how do you it's charge It's a the micro clip? USB charger. So pretty okay. standard. Yeah. Um, it comes with a lot of like, okay. yeah, either yeah. Phone, well, phones now have been upgraded to USB-Cs and such, but yeah, uh, micro USB But there's a lot of those there. still. Yeah. The stream is a, I think the Victor stream has that and other things too. Right. So that's good. Thank you so much for taking so much of your time to come and tell us all about that. Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll-free at 1-877-304-0968. You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to gttsupport plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.org.